Hello and welcome to You Made Me Watch That, where two film studies professors aim to expand each other's cinematic knowledge one recommendation at a time. I am your co-host, Wickham Flanagan. I am your co-host, Colleen Kennedy Carpot. This mini-episode, we are discussing the worst person in the world together, mutually. Is it safe to say that Tylon made us watch this? Tylon made us watch this. Um, it's his favorite film of last year, apparently. Um, it's directed by Joaquim Trier, 2021. Uh, not the, at all related to Lars. No, yes, the less controversial of the Triers. Um, it it got a lot of buzz. It was uh, she won for, at Cannes. Um, for yes, best to, actress. Uh, we should know much her. like Kiki Dunst for Lars von Trier. And Mount Melancholia. Oh, if we're drawing is parallels Kiki, here. Is Kiki Dunst, Dunst the the parlance of our times? Um, I, at least on film Twitter sometimes. Kiki Dunst? <laughs> it feels so trivializing. She has, um, she, Kirsten. She, she, she has... Oh, sorry. Kirsten Dunst. Kirsten. My apologies, Miss Dunst. Uh, Renat Renziv? Question mark? <laughs> uh, plays Julie. I would say Renata Reinsva, but what do I Renat know? Renata Reinsva. Is that, I don't know. Do you have anything to uh, She's learn? Julie. She is the titular worst person in the world, or uh, 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 she's not that bad. That's my review. Yeah, I mean, who does the title ref- <laughs> who does the title refer to? I mean, it's it's it becomes ambiguous. You think it's her because she's the face of the campaign. She's on the posters. She won Best Actress. The film is really her story, in in um, key ways. But the only time the film. Um, utters these words, includes them in its dialogue. And again, this is translated from the Norwegian. So, yes. you know, I, maybe it, maybe there's a different assignation somehow in the language, but it is used to describe uh, the man who becomes her somewhat skatery stoner boyfriend. Yes. And he uh, is describing himself in that way because yes. his ex-girlfriend had yes. all these very important messages about the environment. Yes. And, and well, she sort of suddenly gets into the environment in a very extreme way and has this big lifestyle epiphany. And he sort of finds himself not completely on board. That's true. It's not even his story. It's not his story at all. No, that's a very funny aside. I, I, that is a real Julie. Yes. Julie at the center. Um, well, she's a 30 something, she who, turns 30 in the film. She turns so she 30 in, in the late film. late 20s. Um, and she doesn't know what she wants out of life and her relationships. Well, she keeps trying things in life. And that's the movie. Uh, yeah. Right. Well, sort of. And then she transitions into her 30s and, and through various circumstances is, is reminded of everyone's mortality <laughs> and the, the finiteness of time that we have. And so the period of experimentation that is her 20s kind of comes to an end um, through circumstances not entirely of her control. Right. She kind of ends up alone. Life happens. Yeah. Um, what did you make of this movie? Um, uh, well, one thing I learned from this movie, Wickham, um, just through osmosis, is that there is apparently no patterned fabric in Norway. Like nary a plaid, <laughs> nary a stripe, a polka dot. Everything is in solid colors. Everyone is wearing tasteful, beautifully tailored, neutral colored clothing throughout. Honestly, the only patterned bit of clothing we get is a hospital gown that we see in the second half of the film. 
I, I mean, this, I don't know how this occurred to me so early, but I started watching for it and it was like, it's the hospital gown. That's the only bit of patterned fabric that someone is wearing. So were you engaged with the story? The if design you were... <laughs> is fantastic. If you were co- constantly thinking about was, the fabric. It was like watching, it was like watching interior design magazines come to life on the screen. And okay. That is, I that enjoyed seems that damning with faint praise. <laughs> no, um, she was great. You're right. She I think was great. She was great. Everyone, I, the performances were fantastic. Although I have to say. I Justice, was wondering if it was just because you developed kind of a small, I, I, I'm the royal you develop a small crush on her over the course of the movie because she's just very i don't know when you first see that opening shot it feels like the director had sort of a crush on her and you see the opening shot of her at like the party and this the way she's mm. lit and you have this like beautiful expanse i'm like okay yeah that's a compelling opening shot and she's just very effortlessly kind of charismatic despite being kind of mean and 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 gross at times um, she just kind of comes across very, uh, I don't know. I, I was always, she, her presence on screen was never not, uh, compelling. So I yeah. think, I think that does most of the heavy it lifting does. of the it movie. Does. She anchors the movie and, and takes us through these turns. And again, like we still have to sympathize with her, even though, yeah, there are, there are moments where it's very hard to do this. <laughs> but I never, I never found her to be in any way bad i mean she was making questionable choices self-destructive choices but that's the movie like yeah, you, exactly if she's just there's this adage in screenwriting you know uh, people who are decent who have common sense uh, they, they are not interesting characters so <laughs> um her making these weird choices and but i think for me my biggest issue with the movie is it felt like a bunch of vignettes um, not to not to bring up licorice pizza, but it was all these. It was all broken in episodes. You have yes. a prologue and epilogue. Yeah, I mean that's a very deliberate structure. I mean it says yes. at the very beginning a, a, a twelve chapters, a prologue and an epilogue. I mean, so we we know it's just going to be snippets. Yes, but I would say I I'd wish to to provide context for some of those snippets, especially towards the end. I I seemingly enjoyed some snippets infinitely more than other snippets yeah. like all the magical realism stuff when she yeah. when time has frozen that's a great little moment uh the trip scene mm, was yes. great yeah with bobcat showing up is that the name of the cartoon something like that yeah um i was like well this scene came out of left field um <laughs> uh, just uh, the menstruation blood on her face oh, and good the, for her we don't see enough of that on film and um and just that was great but then uh, there'd be other moments where characters would be referencing because it's all about emotions and relationships and there'd be moments where characters are referencing conversations that they've had especially with her um kind of uh uh, cartoonist boyfriend mm-hmm. who is also very good. A Oxel. lot of everyone is very good in the movie. Axel is fantastic. Yeah. Was he nominated he just for has any great, major acting awards? He has a great kind of voice. Yeah. It's kind of slightly nasally kind of, I don't know. He, he also has a tough role to pull off because his character is also, you know, you can see why she likes him, why she's attracted to him in the first place, but he also has a real mean streak to him and this sort of capacity to sort of turn her often sort of against him in a way and he's overly analytical yes but it's and 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 then later he's on television and and has a very ill-advised yes um, turn in the interview (laughs) but but at that one point honestly like when a couple times actually i think at least twice this this actor um 
I wrote his name, Anders Danielson Lee. Yeah. Leah something. I'm not sure how to pronounce the, his last name, but um, he's great. I mean, I, I yeah. really just want to go and see everything that he's been in because there's My twice God. in this movie where like, his face, his entire facial architecture changes on camera and you can just see everything that's going on. And she does this like once or twice. I d his is better. Yeah, yeah. I'm no. gonna go out on a limb. I think his is when better. His on, job when is they are, a lot harder. Yes. I think when they are together, I think the movie. But yeah. there are moments toward the end, and he has a tragedy that befalls him, where he's referencing their past together. Mm -hmm. And because the movie is such in these kind of snippets, these slice of life moments, I never really got a sense of how important or pivotal their particular romantic connection was. I mean, I, the performances sell the history mm -hmm. there, but I wish I saw more of these incidental things. The movie seems far more interested in just kind of getting to the good stuff, which I guess makes a certain degree of sense. But I, all this, like, we never, we, we have such meaningful, we had such meaningful conversations together. Yeah. And I'm thinking like, really? When did, when did that, was that scene cut? Was, <laughs> He's often just drawing, and, and the scene when she sort of breaks the news to him, I would agree. His performance, is, it's just a very surprising sort of like, oh, oh, oh okay, are you sure? Just, it's, oh. That's very, very good. Oof, yeah, that's um, a real gut punch of a performance. Yes. For both of them, but especially him, because he's realistic. the one who gets blindsided. Yes, he's yeah. very realistic and mm -hmm. grounded. I just, I think, the to me, the movie felt a little clumsily thrown together mm -hmm. at times and some of it was the shooting there was like sometimes it was cinema verte like a like the camera the kind of moving inexplicably in these moments that i felt like i oh, would lock down the camera here maybe it's a probably all intentional um but especially initially i was the prologue was so kind of rushed and clunky and i was like I guess we're just jumping into this. Like it didn't feel like that felt like a part of a different movie. Yeah. Well, it's, it's a little bit like what happens in the voiceover. Royal... Yeah. Yeah. The, like the Royal Tenenbaums. Yeah. The voiceover is there and we think, okay, it's a voiceover movie. And then it completely disappears. And then yes. It and, but then it up. comes back periodically here and there. Yeah. 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 So it is very much this sort of like, we think we've entered a different zone and then we just sort of get yanked back into the other zone of formality. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think that's deliberate. I think that's part of this movie's charm. Um, but I think it, it sort of belies this issue that, that the movie is ultimately trying to sell. And that's like, we have this continuous time, right? I mean, we, we, we do not live in a life that can be so easily segmented. Yeah. We can't just keep pivoting from one thing to the next and expect to be able to, you know, just pick something up from scratch. And I think that the, that sort of kind of jagged prologue that you point out is, is there to set up this sort of counterpoint that the rest of the film ends up arguing. Yeah. I, I don't know if it necessarily set it up in a, in a way that I particularly responded to. I kind of would have preferred the others, the, the going to the, um, the others. Yeah. I think that's the title of one of the chapters, the others, ah, Okay. when they go and see the other family, but I understand that she's meeting men. So there's like a, kind of rushing through a bunch of relationships and her initial meeting with the cartoonist. Yeah. It, it's, I mean, it's the, the thing that is interesting to me about the, I mean, not even interesting. I think that this is one of the ways like you've got the problems of a film that has a 
woman at the center, but it's a man writing this woman character. That, that, yeah, there, I was there wondering. Lots of slip ups with this. I was and wondering the big how you one is, yeah. feel about that because of the yeah. my souvenir thing. Yeah. <laughs> this is not my, a triumph of female subjectivity. <laughs> <laughs> my rampage of the souvenir. Yeah. Um, no, it's, yeah. I mean, it's. I, I would have to see I've the other. I felt more connected to her in this movie, but I don't know if, again, that's the. The lack of there, there. I have two main issues. I think with yeah. how this comes through in the worst person in the world. Number one is the very clear alignment of her career choices at the beginning with the men she is dating. Uh, like so, she starts out as a med student, right? The she's you know very academically successful. She's in medical school. That's sort of where we begin with her at the prologue. And when she decides to quit med school, she also dumps the med school boyfriend. She starts psychology and she gets another guy in psychology. And when she makes another pivot to photography, she gets another photo guy. So she's like wearing the badge of her career choice through her boyfriends. And it, do you think that it also revolving around pregnancy as well? And that's the other thing. Yeah. I, I would say that the getting with this cartoonist is kind of the first moment of growth for her because he's a cartoonist she is not she's a writer she's working at a bookstore at this yeah. point she has sort of you know at least you know in terms of social um social expectations she everything she does is, has been a step down from med school to yes. psychology to photography <laughs> and her to, mom's just like okay as long as you believe in yourself or whatever <laughs> it was that her mom said it's just endlessly supportive so yeah, and that, but she's so she's with this cartoonist. Does not herself think I can become a cartoonist? She sort of still dabbles with her photography and writing, and is just sort of, you know, doing creative stuff, but not in the same sense. So that's already sort of a step of separation that is welcome. But yeah, that's where we end up with this development of pregnancy and child yeah. rearing as this sort of potentially self-defining decision. And it's not to say that it's not a self-defining decision, but the way the rest of the film plays out is it ends up being the central decision. And she rejects this and the rejection keeps getting called into question. And it just feels like. Yeah. Yeah. They can. We, I, we get it. It just. Yeah. <laughs> I, I Again, it's like it's 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 we, we talked about this with a different movie, but it's like. Pregnancy is proposed as a solution to a problem. It is right. never the solution to a problem that is not, I would like a kid. Can my body handle this, this, this thing? It just, it's, it, it's being called upon to do something more than what it actually is. And that's troubling. Yeah, I think so. I think you're right. I think in general, I have a difficult time with ennui movies, like characters saying, I want something more like this movie feels like it's born from a template of a lot of movies of its ilk mm -hmm. of someone who is trying to have some sort of middle-aged or somewhat middle-aged coming of age. Um, and I don't know, I can get kind of bogged down in that and that in the pregnancy thing feels like it's a, a cliche or byproduct of that kind yeah. of story. Mm -hmm. um, and just the, I think it is ironically some of the execution. It's like the emotional weirdness of some of these scenes and the sincerity of like the the weird cheating scene. That is a that was a very kind of unique spin. This movie is listed by the way as a romantic comedy. I'm not getting much of the comedy here, but that scene had a nice kind of playful quality to it, and, yeah. and she brings a playful energy to the whole movie in general, yeah. just her kind yeah. of willfulness. But I just don't know. And especially when we get to the kind of overly emotionally 
not manipulative, but just kind of it wear it wore on me a little bit the the kind of stakes near the end yeah. because I don't I don't know if the movie really earned that. I do I did enjoy the final shot. I enjoyed mm-hmm. the epilogue. Yes, that was a nice yes. kind of ironic. Yes, ending, mm-hmm. and I was like, ooh, this is weirdly yeah mean um of a, of an ending. Mm-hmm. Um, so mean is that a wrong word? Kind of. I, I didn't see it as mean. I don't know. Mean, I, I mean in a, in a in a kind of ironic way. Like, yeah. I guess this is how it turned out. You know, in, well, in a yeah. But yeah, one thing that I think the film does really well. It had a bite to it. The, the ending. There is. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it does. Maybe at that's least, what I was at least, it, it does. It does sort of make you want to reflect on what exactly was the film that we just saw. Yes. Yes. But I think one thing that the film does really well is sort of really stake out the difference between life at 30 and life at 40. Like the, the, the gap that we don't see is that decade in between. And she really encapsulates that moment. And I'm saying this at 42 myself. Um, so I'm, I'm closer in age to the cartoonist boyfriend. And I felt this <laughs> in my gut at a lot of points in the film. And it is this, you know, she's, the weird thing is she has no other friends. Everything is just is, yes. is her and the boyfriends. But it's like you, you, you have, when you're in your 20s and into your 30s, it's like it's the time when people are pairing off and yeah, there yeah. are weddings and other people are having children. Like there, there are friends with kids and this and this. But it's just sort of this this period of, you know, if not abundance, but I guess it's kind of what it is, this emotional like acquisitions, let's say. That's yeah, a very yeah. cold term to use. But, you know, if people are married, and maybe even the first rounds of divorces might start. But I mean, it's just, it's, it's everything that just seems like it's burgeoning, let's say. And then by the time you get to 40, like, all that's over for your peer group, pretty much. I mean, there's still like moments of happiness and joy. And yes, there's still people having kids and still weddings, but also the deaths have started. Yeah. You know, and and to various degrees of closeness to you personally, but you start yeah. to see this happening. Yeah. And it's 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 like the circle begins to close, and there is not a whole lot you can do about it except control your response to it. How does that end up? defining you and i mean that's sort of the the give and take that the movie is really bookending here i think with those two characters it, it illustrates that gulf that experiential gulf between what she's going through then and what he's going through now it it you know reduces it to the question of should we have kids or not which is a which is overly simplistic yes. it, it gets to so much more than this and that's why i just think it does that character so much of a disservice to just isolate her among boyfriends and yeah. and then her mom and her and her grandmother and her I guess. dad her, and her dad like there's this complicated relationship with yeah. the father um but her relationship with her her mom and grandma is also framed as yeah like how she sees them as through their children you know there's this this again like a humorous sequence where she goes back through generations you know like my mom when she was 30 had you know two daughters just you know my grandmother was one of this and then my great grand the great grand it was the actually it's not even her who's doing the narration it's the the narrator coming yeah. in and you know giving us this family history of hers and it's just like none of the other uh, women in her family have much defining, defining them besides yeah. this maternal relationship and that's a real disservice yeah. i mean it, it underscores that you know she's trying to do something new and you know doesn't necessarily have a whole lot to 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 go on in terms of family role models, but my God, she's got peers. You know, she's going to these parties. She's with all these other people. 
find a circle of friends. I, I just, it's, I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it, within the movie's economy, I understand why they're not there, but it would have really opened up the possibilities for how that theme could have been approached. Yes. It, there is like an incongruity with the, the thematic focus with the style in which the film was made. Mm -hmm. Like there's something about the sprawling nature of it, this very kind of episodic structure that makes you think it's going to tackle all these different things or at the very least leave them very open-ended, but it kind of all focuses in on something not as particularly unique thematically that perhaps we were looking for given how sprawling a lot of the style is. Because all of the 40, 30 stuff, you, would for, you, you forget that they kind of do a good job of setting that up with the 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 others in the house and the party and yes. and breaking the yes. but, but then the movie never really comes back to that in a in a particular like maybe with cartoonist slightly yeah. when he's talking yeah, yeah. about it but mm -hmm. it becomes more about again the relationships and her tying that into wanting to be pregnant or not so um it kind of raises all these interesting ideas and then it kind of linearly focuses it on things that maybe we weren't as engaged with as some of the other ideas that were kind of percolating. Does that make sense? I guess. Yeah. Um, but certainly not a bad movie. No. I think, I think we enjoyed most yeah. of it. Yeah. Absolutely worth certainly watching. Worth, yes. Um, shout out to the episodic structure, which again, for us old folks, it makes it very easy to just pause it between chapters and come well, back I to it later. Well, I have issues with that, but yeah, the, well, wanting <laughs> well, the stuff in between, but, um, yeah. But yeah, that that nicely streamlined the viewing process yeah. for sure. There is also I'm gonna um, kind of refer folks to the movie notebook interview with Joaquin Trier, the director, okay. which is worth a read. Um, Was he the director at the end of the movie? Um, I don't know. Okay, he sort of looks into the camera and is like, "I'm directing the scene." So I thought that maybe it was him. <laughs> possibly. Who was also, okay. I, possibly. I, I didn't. I don't know what he that. looks like. I didn't look into that. But no, the the interview is quite good. Okay. Worth I'll, checking out. I'll look into it. Thank you. Right. It's on movie now at the time of this recording. If yep. it's still on there, uh, it is one of the best films of last year, yep. for sure. Yeah, worth a watch. All right. That is our mini episode. You Made Me Watch That is a production of the Department of Communication and Design at Beale Kent University. You can support the podcast by subscribing with your favorite audio app and by following the Beale Kent Cinema Society on Instagram at Beale Kent Cinema, all one word. Our cover art was designed by Denis Vaditongur. Our theme music was composed by Daziozovsky, who you can also follow on Instagram and Spotify. This episode was produced by Tyler Knuckle and the Bielkent Cinema Society with extra Teshekular to our tech wrangler, Uzjan Akar. Uh, Wickham, do you have a special thanks for our mini episode? Yes, I'd like to give a special thanks to none other than David Lynch, who is name dropped in this. Oh, that's true. So there is some sort of connection to me thanking him. Whereas I try to invent a connection, yeah, or at least try to spin one that makes sense. They 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 talk about I just wanted to watch my favorite films, you know, such as Lynch. Yeah, um, and I was like, oh, I can relate to that. Anyway, thank you. That's Michael. it. <laughs>